You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Okay, so I have been. This meeting is being recorded. Fuck you. Thanks, bitch. Fuck you, Sue. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have been obviously watching you uh, in the interweb since we haven't met in real life yet. Um, But I feel like there has been a shift in you. And I don't know that there are specific words that I would say, but the word that does come forward is this sense of maturing. Not that you were immature Mm -hmm. before, but you took who you are, your, your brand, your voice, your tone, like everything feels like it's from a different place now. And there's a sense of knowing and wisdom that is coming through in everything you share. And we haven't talked about this yet, but I just want to hear your response to that, if that's even accurate at all, and what you feel has been going on. Yeah, I will. First of all, I really appreciate that reflection because it's nice to see what someone on the other side of the screen thinks or how they're perceiving a very limited perspective of my journey. Although I will say I'm pretty transparent online. There's not much that I hide um, with the exception of not posting a story while I'm taking a shit, but I thought (laughs) about it. So (laughs) who knows? It could happen. Um, Yeah. You know, I think mature is a good word. And what it's been like for me on the other side of that is like, I've just been fucking knocked to my knees. Like I, this last year and a half since Ani, my partner and I left New York city to travel the world and then got planted in Austin because, you know, COVID was like the, the deepest initiation I've ever experienced. I've been like just shoved through the belly of the beast. And I think what happens for a lot of people on the other side of experiences like that, if they make it to the other side and they pick themselves up and they develop a sense of resilience is this extra sense of groundedness, like a maturity. I feel more rooted in who I am. I feel more stable. It's like the visualization I have is that like, I've got stronger roots, like my, my root, my base feels stable. I, what I can say behind the scenes of what happened is I think the first time we spoke, Ani and I were still going through a lot of relational ups and downs. And I'm telling you, when shit got fiery, it got fiery. We're both Scorpios. (laughs) We're both sassy as fuck. And where we're at now is in this place where we have really tuned in conversations. We're highly aware of our own emotional states because we, we went through this initiation. So I think one of the biggest, like, indicators of this maturity is the progression that I've made in my relationship. That is like my, one of my litmus tests is like, damn, when I get triggered, I can, I can hold it down. I'm good. I can navigate it. I feel solid. And I think that shows up in every other front in my life now, which is potentially what people are feeling. Don't you think too, when you are in any sort of turmoil or difficulty in life, if you can take the role, which I know you do, because I know you well enough to know this, of being radically responsible and honest with yourself, that it can transform you and take you to where you are now versus 
going through those things and playing victim and be like, why is everything happening to me? Everything's so hard. And then it just sends you down some other spirally path. Like, I feel like that's what you've done. You got really honest. You asked the hard questions and you showed the fuck up. Yeah. And yes, for sure. (laughs) And thank you for that because, yo, I had moments when, I mean, if you were watching me from outside of a window, some of these moments throughout this initiation process, you'd think this bitch is crazy. Like I would have a blow up. I would storm off, slam the door. And then I'd be like, okay, Lee, what just happened? You got to go out there and try again. And I would gather my shit and I'd be like, okay, we're going to try again. And I would last for as long as I could last. I'd fall apart. I'd storm off or I'd yell or I'd threaten that I was going to leave. I would take some space and I'm like, okay, how can you do better this time? Can you apologize? Is that available? Can you take responsibility for something? What could you have done differently? How could you have said this differently so that he understands why this was hurtful? And it was just this constant process of iteration. Like, all right, well, made it a little further this time. Still feel like I fucked it up. Well, we're going to try again because he's still here and I'm still here. So let's do it. And it was, it was this messy process that looked like, you know, hot and cold sometimes, but it was honestly as messy as it was, it was how I developed like a familiarity with my inner landscape for what triggers feel like for me and my body, what sensations I feel, what thoughts come up, what my go-to threats are, what the ultimatums are that I give. I'm like, oh, I'm about to threaten to walk out. Okay, well, maybe I shouldn't do that this time because I know I don't mean it. And so I just started gathering intel, not trying to make it perfect, which is hard to do sometimes because we want to get it right as you know, people who are growing and learning. But I'm like, okay, I'm just going to gather as much data as I can and try and do a little better each time. And I'm telling you through that process of what felt like, I don't know, like I was in the Lord of the Rings trying to slay dragons. I got here and I really fucking love where I am because we have the deepest levels of intimacy. Our communication is clear. It's compassionate. We're so good at holding the bag for each other when someone else is struggling. Like our sex is better than ever. We're a team. We've, we're both launching programs right now, which would otherwise be an insanely stressful thing to do. And we're staying connected throughout the whole thing. So I'm looking at the results now and I'm like, I would do that all over again if I had to, if it meant that I was going to get here. I love the way you just explained your experience because it's so funny. I felt like this the first time we met and I was like, God, I feel like she and I are very like, <laughs> and now you say that and I'm like, Oh God, same. Um, I've had a very similar experience and people always ask me, how did you and Connor get to where you are now? And I have never been able to verbalize it. I like, I don't know. I'm like, it's a feeling it's a daily thing. And you just spot on explained it. And I understand what you're saying about the crazy. Like if someone was watching, <laughs> they would be like, this bitch is psychotic. How is she teaching people how to live? (laughs) So I I totally get it, right? I'm like, I am a hack. Um, But it's life, right? What came to me as you were talking was what kept me from storming off, 
gathering my shit back up and coming back in and trying again was embarrassment. I Mm -hmm. have been so programmed to be embarrassed. Like you fucked up. That's embarrassing. You did that. That's embarrassing. Who are you? What's wrong with you? So it would always keep me from going back and apologizing or taking responsibility or just showing up and being open to whatever happened. Did you ever experience that at all in this process? Oh my God. Like more times than I could count. Like I probably can't even count that high yeah. to be honest. And I'm half Chinese, which means I'm pretty good with numbers, but still <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, you know, <laughs> like that's how many times that I have felt guilty, ashamed, embarrassed. Like I don't want to be seen. It's, I can't even describe the physical sensation of feeling like I just want to wither away and disappear into nothingness, like go to sleep and not wake up and just have nobody hear from me again, because I would feel burdened by this weight of guilt and shame. And so, yes, I've definitely felt that. And a part of that messy process was learning how to be with the guilt and shame. And in my experience, and this may be different for others, guilt and shame are the things that feel the most uncomfortable in my body. I can deal with anger. I can deal with sadness. I can deal with grief. I can deal with jealousy. I can deal with resentment, but guilt and shame are like the things that I have seen myself do, the ways that I have seen myself behave when I feel guilty or ashamed are like mind blowing to me. I'm like, no, I would never normally behave like that. But if I want to try and, you know, get out of the guilt and shame, like there are really intelligent mechanisms in place in our systems so that we don't have to deal with that. Because I mean, the implications of that are grave, you know, we get kicked out of the tribe, we die, you know, basically. So yeah, I've dealt with that a lot. And I've had to do a lot of inner work with my shame. And I've had to share that process with Ani. He's walked me through a lot and has held a lot of space for me in my shame, whether that was emotional shame, sexual shame, shame around finances or my business or a friend, like doesn't matter. I've had to really sit with that a lot and become familiar with it. And something I have found is that when we can get just beneath the mechanism, whatever mechanism, escape route or fight, like whatever mechanisms we use, if we can get just underneath that, there's a whole wealth of information underneath the defenses that let us know, hey, here's what this is about. Here's what I actually need in this moment. Here's what I'm really feeling or what I really want. And so if we can get just past the mechanism and get to what's underneath, that's where the juice is. You said the word ultimatum. I also know that word well. And the the threatening of I'm going to leave. Can you talk to me about what role ultimatums and threatening to leave have played in this learning process? Yeah, it's a test. It For me, when I have used that method in the past, it has been because I wanted to test Ani to see if he would, if he would fold. So this was now... As I'm talking about this right now, there's a part of this that certainly sounds and is quite manipulative, right? There is a a manipulation, an energetic and psychological manipulation at play. I can say that without feeling bad that I've done it because I'm aware of the place that I was in emotionally. And I know that 
you know, that's a very common place for people. But I also know that in a greater spiritual context, a part of the role of the feminine, even within us, is to test the valor of the masculine, even within us. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go around poking and prodding. That's, that's not compassionate. But there is something in us that wants to know, like, is this dude here? Does he have my back? Because shit's going wild right now. And I need to know that he's going to plant his feet and he's going to love me through this. Mm-hmm. So there was a part of me subconsciously that was testing that Nani. And there was a part of me that knew very well what was going on. And I was like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm out. Are you going to come get me? Are you going to run after me? Are you going to try and tell me not to go? Because if you're not, oh, well, fuck, what do I do now? You're not doing the thing that I thought you were going to do. And so sometimes the test would work. And other times I'd be like, okay, well, that didn't work. So maybe I should gather my emotional pieces back up and see what I want to do now, because now I've got to kind of double back because not only is there something to acknowledge for the first thing, but now I have to acknowledge the fact that I just threatened something that I didn't really mean. Mm. So that, you know, that was a strategy that was mildly successful for a short amount of time. And then I recognized that that wasn't going to work anymore. (laughs) You're like, this is not the answer. It's funny. I, I'm curious what his response was. Is what, is he, um, I'm all over the place. I have so many things to talk to you about. (laughs) I'm like, I have Lee ask everything. Um, is he, uh, what type, what attachment style is he? So I would say his attachment style has probably been anxious avoidant. Mm. Um, And it kind of differs. We differ. I mean, I'd say now we have done a lot of work to both get to pretty secure attachment styles. Mm -hmm. And that work has come through working with our own coaches, therapists, working with psychedelics in specific modalities to clear the nervous system. Um, So I'd say he was pretty anxious avoidant. I think we both had relatively disorganized um, attachment styles when we came into the relationship as woke as we thought we were. I'm like, oh, this now all the juice comes up. (laughs) So yeah, his uh, maybe tending toward avoidant because Mm -hmm. when stuff would get hard for him in the past and even in the beginning of our relationship, his thing would be to just like try and depart. Yeah. Try and go somewhere. Whereas mine would... Mine would sometimes be to lean in and then sometimes we would switch roles. Sometimes he would need to lean in and I'm like, no, I need space. Yes, totally resonate with that. The reason I ask is because I was just thinking about Connor. Anytime I've given him ultimatums or stepped into that manipulation uh, or threatened to leave, which God, I've done all of that so much um, in you know two and a half years, especially the first year. I f- fuck, I feel like every conversation was some version of that, um, but we made it. Uh, but I remember him, it was like the more I, the more I gave those ultimatums or put that kind of pressure, he was like, fuck you. When all I wanted him to do was choose me and tell me I'm here. I love you. I do choose you. But it just pushed him further away. And in my head, I wasn't even seeing what was going on. I'm like, you're making him not want to be with you. This doesn't work. Like, yeah. w- when did you have those realizations? Um, I mean, I had them so many times throughout when I would guilt myself for how I was showing up and I'd be like, man, he's, 
there was one moment in time where Ani was like, listen, I'm, I am so close to becoming indifferent to you that I'm just not even going to care anymore. And I just, I'm like, Oh fuck. Like he's it's, it's to the point now where I could be like bleeding out and he'd walk away mm-hmm. like energetically. And I'm like, okay, so that's, that's what we have here right now. This is how my relationship is. And I had to reconcile with that. And I contended with myself many times. And I was like, all right, what's got to change. And very similar to you and Connor, the first like year and a half of mine and Ani's relationship was the most contentious. And thankfully we've worked through it. And now it seems like, you know, a bubble has burst and we're into the next level, which feels nice. Like we, we beat the boss. We got through that level and like we've graduated, we're into the next level, but it was really, really rocky in the first part of our relationship. I've been having the same experience. And the other day I was like, oh, wow, this is how far we've come. We were we were literally yelling at each other. And I didn't, neither of us knew what words were coming out of either of our mouths. <laughs> and it was over the dumbest thing. And finally, he's like, what the hell is happening? And I was like, I don't even know why we're yelling. What are we even talking about? And he's like, I'm not sure. And I was like, okay, I love you. I'm going to go. <laughs> it was just like over. It was just so stupid. It, sometimes I feel like we just got to like get stuff out, but we've gotten to this yeah. point where we just don't do dumb stuff anymore. We just don't yes. play the games. We're like, oh, we're fighting and it's dumb and it means nothing. Okay. Moving on, not holding on to yeah. that. Like I'll say something really stupid and maybe it would have hurt his feelings before. And now he just looks at me and is just like, okay, like we just don't even play the game. It's just why it's just such a waste of energy. But I, I feel like that's all we did for the first year and a half was just play these games. Like I, I don't have the energy for this anymore. Yeah. I mean, we got to the, we were doing the same thing. We were playing the games and we got to a point where we're like, something's got to change. And that was when we decided to end our relationship and start a new one. But prior to that, I, my theory on what was happening, because I have an awareness of how some of these dynamics work, is that we were working through the dysfunctional attachment styles in order to come to a place where we could both be on the same page and be aware that we were both extremely dysfunctional and how we were functioning in a romantic relationship. Like we were functional relatively in other places, but of course, you know, how we do one thing is how we do everything. So of course the dysfunction was bleeding over to other places. Um, But we were working through those early childhood attachment wounds. And thank God, Ani and I are both very well studied in psychology. And we use this with a lot of our clients, but we were working through all of our mommy and daddy issues. And it's not to say that none exist anymore, but we've done so much work on that, that now it's completely out of our frame of reference that we would go back to any of those places that we were going to before with the games, the manipulation, the testing, all of it just doesn't even occur to us anymore. And I'm sure you two are in the same place, Yeah. but it's like, we worked through that shit. So it's like, okay, what next? Like we want to do big things in the world and we can't be operating from that dysfunction in order to do what we want to do. And so we recognized that we needed to seek whatever support we needed to seek in order to create what we have now. 
Have you ever had this dynamic in a relationship before where you are now? No, no, where we are now, definitely not. I haven't, I've never, yeah, I've never done the kind of work that I've done to get here. Me neither. And it's, it's funny. My longest relationships were always about two years and it, it was like this same really. Yes. That was, my mom would joke with me about it. She's like, well, he's getting close to the two year mark. I'm like, oh, and I kid you not. It was a two year mark when we decided to end our relationship and start a new one. I have chills all over my body. Wow. Yeah, that's so wild that it's the same for both of us. I don't know. I don't know why that was the amount of time, but it was like this psychological thing that I had going. And it felt like as I would near get close to that, I'd be bored. I'd be ready to move on to the next thing. I'd want space. I'd be annoyed with the person. And so I never went into the next phase after that. And obviously I was young, you know, I'm 33 now and I'm going to get married. There's a different conversation, but it was always the same visceral experience I was having. And I'm like, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to stay for this. Or it was starting to get a little harder and I didn't have any tools or resources for how I was supposed to stay in it and work through it. And I remember, I don't know if it was my therapist or one of my girlfriends, but I was having this conversation like three, three or four months ago about you're entering a new phase in the relationship and it's super unknown because you've never been there. You don't know what it entails. And it's scary. We think, well, where could that take me? Or is it going to be boring? Is that something I don't want to be a part of? And I'm so grateful that he and I, I mean, nothing happened at two years. We were, we were happy, but I'm so glad that he and I stuck it out and continued to work because we're in this level of relationship or experience I've never had before. And the intimacy and the connection and the communication is so fucking epic. I'm like, Oh, this is what's possible when you like hang out and stick around (laughs) and don't just bail when two years comes and everything can open up. And of course, you know, he's my person. And so it makes sense. And the others weren't, but I don't know. I think we, I think especially when we're young women, we get to this point where we're like, oh, I'm bored or, oh, oh, I've been doing this for a while. I don't want to be here anymore. So I'm going to go now. And then we miss out on what's even possible past that time. Yeah, there are actually scientific studies on this that women's threshold for especially sexual attraction in relationships is actually much smaller than men's threshold. So women typically become bored, complacent, check out, feel over it within the first one to three years of relationships. Whereas men have a much longer window of time where they're still highly sexually interested in their partners. And so, you know, it, it, it doesn't always have to do with sex and sexual attraction, but the threshold for women is definitely smaller, according to these studies anyway. Um, and I know Dr. Wednesday Martin was talking about this. I don't think she's the one that conducted the studies, but I, this is where I learned it. Um, and when I heard that, I'm like, oh, wow, it all makes sense because it was always the two-year mark for me where I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm over it. There's no way I'm going to fuck you for the rest of my life. So I got to go see what else is out there. And now it was just a cycle over and over again. So why do you think that this time was different for you? Oh, God, that's such a good question. So there was this feeling that I would get every time I was like on my knees at my wits end thinking, 
there's no way I can do this anymore. Like there were so many moments where I was like, I don't know if I have the strength within me to keep going. And right in those moments, something else would pop up that would say, Lee, you're meant to be here. Like, this is, this is your person. You know that there's something here. And I would follow that intuition. And of course, when things would get really wild, I'm like, am I just crazy? And maybe I'm holding on to something that doesn't need to be a thing anymore. And we've, you know, we've, we're complete, but there was always that voice underneath. And even if I look at the trajectory of our relationship, it wasn't hot and heavy from the beginning. And they actually recommend that for those stable long-term relationships, that it's not necessarily fireworks from the beginning, unless you're willing to work through potentially some of the trauma bonds that are creating the fireworks and the polarity and sexual attraction in the first place. But most people aren't. So there was just this knowing from the very beginning. And I can't explain how I know it because it's not a thought. I don't even know if it's a feeling. It's just a knowing, like language doesn't really capture the experience. Um, and there was, there's just this deep sense of familiarity. I have these almost like consciousness merging experiences with Ani often, even when I'm not on any psychedelics, like we could just be showering together and I'll look at him and I could tell he's a different person. I know we don't look alike. I know he's a man and he's darker skin, et cetera. And I'm like, am I in front of another person right now? Or am I with myself? It feels like I'm with myself. And I often feel that way. Like he's not another person. He's an extension of me. And he feels that way about me. And this is way beyond like some weird codependent dynamic. This is like emerging there. We have merged in some way on like a vast spiritual plane And that lets me know that there is something way greater here than I can even conceive of. Mm. Did you have that realization before you guys broke up and started over or did it come during that process and after? I had that experience a few times. So there were moments throughout where I would say, I just feel like I'm with myself right now. I know I'm with another person, so it doesn't really make sense, but I I feel so at home here. It feels like I'm just chilling with me. And so I've had those moments, but something really, really special happened when we got to that breaking point and we were like, okay, this isn't working the way it is. And the realization where it's almost like a stick, like a a big branch broke and it, it was holding so much tension and so much weight. And as soon as it broke, it was actually a huge relief because then we could have a real honest conversation up until then we were, I don't know, keeping a good face on or something. But as soon as the weight broke and we were like, we can't do this anymore. This is not functional. This doesn't work. Then it was like, okay, well now what? And that's what opened the space for something completely new to arise. What was making it dysfunctional for you? It seemed like it was just like hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold. Yes and no, yet in and out. And it was like, we would, we'd make it to one juncture where it's like, okay, we're good. I think we're good. But we didn't, we wouldn't know when the next major blowout was around the corner. 
And in our own ways, we were both waiting for the other shoe to drop. And we're like, well, we know what happened last time. And so one, we were, you know, we were just living from the past and recreating it over and over and over again. And that was the main problem was he had these expectations about me and how I show up and I of him. And we kept placing those expectations on the other person and created a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. So of course the next blowout would happen. And we're like, well, yeah, of course, this is what they do, or this is what we do. This is our thing. This is our dynamic. And we had all of these labels and we've talked about this, but you know, I also know that I did this internally about this is who he is. This is how he is. And I kept him in this nice little categorized box where I knew how to place him. And it didn't allow him to be anything other than that. And it didn't allow me to be anything other than how I was perceiving myself, you know, whether that I was a a good partner or shitty or whatever. Um, So I don't even know what the question was, but. (laughs) Uh, Well, how did, how is it dysfunctional for you? Oh, so it was just, yeah, you know, we would, we'd find ourselves coming back and we call it looping. Mm. He's like, we're just fucking looping. Like we're just looping. I love you. And we're looping. So what are we going to do about this? And we, we were, it was like, we were standing next to each other, watching a movie, watching the same movie. And we're like, this is a fucking lovely, tragic movie. And we're talking about it like spectators. Wow. And we're like, this doesn't work. And so that was, we were just seeing ourselves in the same pattern over and over and over again. And for a while, we just didn't know how to get out. We didn't know what to do about it. And finally, once we decided to end the relationship and start a new one, and that was a whole ceremony and ritual that we did and commitments that we made, that was a big state change that allowed us to like really commit to going in a different direction. Wow. Wow. How did you know when you talked about the looping and like, this isn't working the way it is? How did you know, well, we still want to be together. I still want to choose you instead of we should just end it because this doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I had that, I had that thought. There was a part of me that like my flight kicked on and I'm like, I'm just going to go get an apartment. I'm going to have my own space, like fuck off. I'll be happy. I'll be good. I've always been good. This, this is what I know. So there was a part of me, one, that was subconsciously fighting for what was familiar to me. And so if anybody listening has a dynamic like this, that's popping up and you see that you're about to head into the thing that you've always headed into, it might be that subconsciously there's a familiarity in that. And even if it's not what you truly want consciously, it's what your system already knows. And that feels safe somehow. So leaving and departing and taking off felt safe for me. But then when I stopped to think about it, because for about two weeks of time, we decided to live apart and that was the real test. Okay. What if we actually did live separately? What if we completed the relationship? Let's see what that would be like. And it was in that two week period of time that we were like, oh no, we actually really want to be together. We just need to find a way to address what's going on. And we both need to stand the fuck up a hundred percent and wear our big girl and big boy pants and, and, you know, lean in at the same time. 
So that, that trial period meant everything for us. You know, why I love this is you just don't hear about people doing this. And it's this gray area. You guys created a gray area. I was like, it could go this way. It could go this way. Let's test it out and see. Let's not make a decision without actually knowing what's possible. I fucking love that. Hmm. Yeah. It, thank you. It, it actually blows my mind in retrospect because it's not something I had ever, ever tried in a past relationship. And even there was one other partner that I lived with. We'd never had the thought of sleeping separately. And now in our house, we have separate bedrooms. I mean, often we sleep together, but when we do so, it's by choice because we're choosing to sleep together. It's not a default thing. And so we try to operate now in this new paradigm of our relationship that when we spend time together, when we do things together, we're choosing to do it. It's not because, oh, you're my quote unquote other half. It's I want to fucking be here. I want to spend time with you. I want to sleep with you. I want to have sex with you. So let's do it. It's not like, oh, this is my obligation. This is my duty. So here, let's have sex. Because there were points in our relationship in V1 that sex did feel obligatory for me. It was in my mind, my quote unquote wifely duty. And I had a lot of guilt about not being in desire or not pleasing him. Like all the things that, you know, as we talk about it seem ridiculous, but are real things that people live with and carry all the time. So I want to also normalize the fact that it's okay to feel guilty about not pleasing your partner. It's okay to feel like you don't want to fucking do it. It's okay if you feel like your needs aren't getting met. And by the way, you're not turned on. Like all of this is par for the course and it just opens the way to deeper conversation if we're willing to go there. Just a quick break from this amazing episode with Lee to talk about how I'm nourishing myself. I want to talk to you about adaptogens. So here's the thing. You all know that I love Organifi. It is nourishing. It tastes fucking amazing. It is so good for so many things. They have a variety of options. And I love that. But here's something I don't talk about a lot. Adaptogens and how they can signal us to know what we need for our bodies. We need fuel. We need to pay attention to red flags. We need to understand how our body is talking to us. So things like feeling stressed or tired. Um, Adaptogens are an amazing way to balance all of this and to support your body. They can help you return to a natural state of calm. They literally help you adapt to the stress of life. So simple. That's a great way for me to remember that. It's like, why do we need adaptogens? Because life is constantly changing and can be crazy and chaotic and all over the place. And then it can be really calm and chill and fun. And how do we stay with it? And adaptogens are an incredible supplement that we can add into our daily routine. And the nice thing is, is that Organifi is an amazing source of adaptogens. They have all of these amazing superfood blends that mix easily with water. So you all know I talk about mixing with hot water when I'm doing my chocolate gold or my regular gold um, with all of this incredible turmeric. And it has things like ashwagandha and reishi mushroom and rhodiola. 
These are all of the different supplements that I took separately while I was healing from chronic illness and Epstein-Barr virus. So I was taking, you know, 20, 30 pills a day trying to balance my body. I didn't know about Organifi back then. And so now every time I have a cup of Organifi, whether it's hot or it's cold, whatever you're mixing it with, this is an amazing way to help you adapt to life and get all of these adaptogens in one cup. Yay. Yay, less pills. <laughs> Yay, one cup of something that tastes good and I don't even have to think about it the rest of the day. So I would love for you to try out Organifi. If you've been on the fence, if you're like, I'm not sure, now is the time. You can get 20% off. There's so many different options. Um, and I just, I truly love everything. People come over to my house and they always ask me, do you actually like Organifi? Like, tell me the truth. I know you talk about them all the time. And then they open up my pantry and they're like, never mind. <laughs> the first thing I do is offer people Organifi when they come over, which is super fun. And it just, it tastes good and it's fucking good for you. And I'm only here to share with you the best of the best. So Get 20% off. You can go to Organifi.com slash Kelly T. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Kelly T. You get all of the adaptogens. The other thing I always offer people when they come over slash some of my friends have been going through some health issues lately. And, you know, I'm a mom bear and I like to take care of my people. So I send care packages and I always include Element. And I always offer people Element when they come over. And I was actually with my girlfriend, Jalen, who works for Element. And we were out the other day and she was giving everyone Element at the table to mix with their club soda and tequila. And it was so great because you get to stay hydrated. You get to have fun in life. You get to experience all the things and you also get to take care of your body. And I think that that is so important that we do that. And I love when I am loving on my friends and my people and taking care of them, I want them to have the best of the best. So the first thing I drop in there is element because I know we have to stay hydrated. I know so many of us are not drinking enough water, especially if we're going through any health stuff and we're trying to flush our systems and detox. We have to replenish with electrolytes, period. If you're not doing that, you're missing out. And I didn't do this. And so coming from someone who was on a 15-year chronic health journey, who did not drink enough water, and who was probably chronically dehydrated, which did not help with my detox. Sorry, Dr. Lekos. Um, you need to get some element in your life. All the flavors. They're amazing. You can try them in an eight-pack sampler, and it's only $5. You just have to pay for shipping. So I absolutely love this company. They're the best of the best on the market. And it's something that I use every day and I give to the people I love most. So if you go to drinkelement.com slash Kelly T, that's drinklmnt.com slash Kelly T, you'll get your APAC sampler for just shipping. It's five bucks in the United States. All right, back to Lee. What are some of the hard truths that you had to look at yourself in this process. Yeah. I just want to make like a face. <laughs> so like, oh my God, girl. I had so many asshole clenching moments. That's what I call them. Where it's like so good. sphincter just tightens up and I'm like, oh fuck. So many. Um, I had to really see a lot of the tendencies that I was bringing into the relationship that I was not aware of before this relationship because I had never 
been in relationship with someone who was as aware about developmental psychology as Ani is. So he would see something and he'd be like, oh, when's the first time that happened in your childhood? I'm like, bitch, it's happening right now. Don't worry about my childhood. Okay. I'm pissed right now at you, not my dad, you, it's your fault. Yeah. Like so, so many of those moments would pop up, but I had to, I had to see the, oh man, I used to get so defensive. Like I could not hold a moment of time where something would be in competition with my good reputation or my good face, because I was raised in such a strict um, household where presentation was everything. I mean, this is my Chinese mother. Like you must look good on paper. You must look good in person. You must be well-mannered, well-spoken, professional, intelligent. And it's a bonus if you're pretty and desirable and, and you make a lot of money. And that's, you know, who I was for a long time. And that was all I was to myself and probably to a lot of others. And in this relationship, all of those things, the, the strongly held beliefs that caused me to think that that's all I was, that's all I amounted to got kicked up. And when that got challenged, I got defensive as hell. And so when Ani would challenge my being right or my not being wrong, I would immediately get defensive. I would distort, I would distort the truth. I would deny things. I would gaslight him. And so these are things like we're reading in a textbook for, you know, a child with a narcissistic parent or someone with narcissistic tendencies. And I'm like, oh my God, I've heard about this. But I didn't think I was the one who could do these things. How could that be me? And so on one hand, I had that thought. And on the other hand, I was like, yeah, this is where the self-worth challenges were coming from because somewhere deep down, you knew you were out of integrity. And so that was where any challenge with self-worth was coming from because it felt misaligned for me, but I could never put my finger on it until this relationship. And then I got called the fuck out over and over and over again. And I'm like, okay, well, really, if it's not with Ani, if I don't resolve this, it's going to be with the next person. And this guy may or may not be aware of it. I can probably pull a bunch of fast ones over him because I'm aware now I'm intelligent enough and I'm very cunning, but I don't want to be in a relationship where I'm manipulating someone. I want someone to hold me forth to my highest standard. And when shit goes down, call me out and love on me while you're doing it. And like, invite me to step up so that I can like, let go of the armor I've been carrying that has kept me small and in protection of my mother, which is really who this was all about. So yeah, it's, I've had to get honest a lot in this process. I like what you said that you could, you could do this with another person. And I remember a few times when I wanted to bail and I kept thinking, I don't want another man to get a better version of me. Connor yeah. has been in the depths of this with me. And I believe he deserves the best version of me, just like I deserve the best version of me. But he is my person and I want him to have the highest version that I can offer that is the most loving and the most compassionate and all of these things. And I can't imagine just bailing on him in a hard moment. I mean, like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go be with someone else and I'll figure it out with that person. 
And it's like, but what if you could figure it out with this person? What if it's, what if it's right here in front of you and you don't have to run to go figure it out? Like I, I had never had that awareness until about a year ago. And I just thought this is the work sitting in it yeah. and saying, okay, you can have this version of me and I want you to. Yeah. Oh, like who you become as a result of having that realization. And as a result of making that choice over and over and over again is like, it's just the most incredible version. And it's why you and Connor have the relationship you have now because you made that choice over and over and over again. In his ways, he made that choice right. over and over and over again. And it's, it's incredible because it's so much easier to bail. It is so much easier to bail. And what it takes to sit with what's coming up for us and to say, not only do I want him to have the best version of me, but what the fuck? I've been selling myself short this whole time. Like, I want me to have the best version yes. of me. What, what's going on? And so, yeah, that realization is so potent. It is. Okay. So you guys are in this new version of you. I've seen something that looks like its own sex room. So tell me all the things happening. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so excited for this. So in our new house, we have a media room that's meant to be just a room, no windows that, you know, you're meant to watch movies in. We make movies in it. We haven't watched a movie yet, but Damn. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh girl, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have this whole room dedicated to sex. The only thing we have done in that room is give each other massages and have sex. And we're in the process of decking the room out. But right now it has a king size mattress with like the most luxurious bamboo sheets we have sex props. Um, we have an altar in the front that I'm going to build a beautiful altar out on with all of our sex toys and our lubes and coconut oils and sex games. We have our massage implements for when we give each other massages. We have a massage table. And then we have a bunch of lights, courtesy of Ani, because he has been a G when it comes to like supplying our house with alternate lighting. And so we have all of these cool like neon lights and it just like sets the mood. And it has been an amazing space for us to walk into the room and know what's about to happen. Like there's an immediate state change when we walk into that room because there's an expectation of what happens here. And it's intimacy, closeness, vulnerability, eroticism, pleasure, emotions, pain, depth expression, holding, like so much happens there. Like, it's not just that we're fucking like rabbits. We're holding each other. We've had tough moments in that room where, you know, we were misaligned sexually and we had to talk through it. We've had moments where a traumatic experience came up for me and Ani held me and nurtured me until I came back to being in my body in the present moment. We've had moments of orgasmic bliss. We've had moments of being really high together and laughing. We've had great business breakthroughs in the middle of having sex and then have gone and implemented those things in our business. So that place has become like a creative playground for us. And it's one of the things, something that we're trying on right now that we're in the process of mastering is 
prioritizing our sex life over everything, trusting that if we make that time and space as an act of rejuvenation, radical self-care and self-love, connection, intimacy, why wouldn't our businesses thrive? Why wouldn't we be able to show up to our clients with the most badass downloads, the most presence, the most energy? Why wouldn't we be able to show up in every other area of our life feeling fulfilled and aligned? So that's the question we're working with. And we've, we've had varying levels of success with, with keeping sex a priority because sometimes it seems like it's the first thing to go when things get stressful or busy. So we're in the process of trying to figure out how to rework the proportions. I love that. And you know, something I haven't talked about this with anyone, um, but it feels so fitting right here is I remember when I was going through what felt like my sexual awakening last year, I'm like, I'm bisexual. I want girls to sit on my face. I want, I need to have sex all the time. Oh my God. Orgasms. And it's like all I could think about. (laughs) I felt like I was just drowning in sex. I'm like, this is all there is. Like I didn't need to work. All, All I had time for was sex. And I think that was so good for that time. I learned so much, but I feel like I've entered this new phase and I would love your thoughts on this is what I realized is that it wasn't about sex. It was intimacy that I was so deeply craving and I didn't feel like I had in any part of my life. I didn't feel intimacy with myself. I didn't feel intimacy with my girlfriends, especially in COVID when none of us can be intimate with our friends. And I didn't feel that deep intimacy with Connor in the ways that I longed for. And it felt like what happened was all the sex and all the orgasms led me to this place where I realized it was about intimacy. And I don't even crave being with women the way I craved before because he and I have such a deeply intimate relationship now that is so much communication, so much compassion. We hold each other. We're cute together. He slaps my ass. You know, all these like little moments throughout the day. He's so much more helpful around the house. Um, Just all these things have created such great intimacy that I don't feel like I have sex on the brain all the time. And so we don't have as much sex as we were having before necessarily, but it also doesn't feel, it felt like before we were forcing it because we're like, we got to have sex and we got to do the thing. And I'm like, I need this. I crave it. And now it's, it happens when it feels really good. And if, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm verbalizing this well, but it like things seem to transition in a way to be more about intimacy than sex. Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. It's, it's, as if the, because the sex is so potent now, because there is intimacy woven into the fabric of it, it lasts longer. Mm-hmm. It's like you're getting supercharged with like rocket fuel instead of standard gasoline. So it, it just fuels you for longer because it's built on a foundation of intimacy, connection, affection, and Something that um, Esther Perel talks about a lot is that foreplay is happening all the time. It's not just when we decide to have sex, but foreplay is happening when Connor decides to wash the dishes in the sink. And you're like, hell yeah, I don't have to do that now. I can continue to feel sexy over here. That's foreplay. Like there's always this beautiful dance happening if we choose to see it like that. And that can create so much fulfillment that, you know, you were missing at one point that I was missing at one point that I think most people are missing because there's not that 
deeper awareness or context for all of the other things that can feel really fulfilling and nourishing for us. Yes. I love that. And it just, the way you were talking about this, the way you hold each other, the way you have hard moments, like all of this happening in, in what would be like a sex playroom, but it's so much deeper because you have created that in this breakup, in creating a new version of you two together and separately. There is such a level of intimacy that seems to be coming forward that allows you to just melt deeper into your experience together. Yeah. Yeah. There is not a single other human on the face of this planet that knows me the way Ani knows me and vice versa. Mm. And it's like such a fantastical thought because I'm like, I, I was literally in the kitchen. I don't know if it was this morning or last night, but I, I wrapped my arms around his neck very playfully. And I'm like, oh my gosh, not so long ago, I was out there. My heart was searching for the person that I knew was out there. And here I am standing in the kitchen of our new home. You're right in front of me. I'm kissing you. Like it was this feeling washed over me. And I'm like, this is everything I've been asking for. This is everything I've ever wanted And sure, there were a lot of moments previous to this that I didn't recognize that I had it. But that's, I think that's one of the biggest breakthroughs I've had was opening my eyes and really opening and seeing, wow, 99% of the things that I desire, I already have. The moment I start living is the moment that I recognize I already have it. It's already here. I'm already the person. I already have the man, we're already doing the business, we're already serving the clients, and it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And that, that realization brings me back to gratitude when I want to fall into the, oh, but this, but I didn't get enough sleep, but that, and you know, all the, all the things that I would nitpick at on a regular basis, which are sometimes valid, but most times it's just petty bullshit. Mm-hmm. I feel like you and I are similar in that we're both very good at doing the work and we know how to work hard and we (laughs) can achieve and be really successful and have the gold star. Um, But I find that in being that person and that version of me, what I find difficult is to not constantly feel like I need to work on myself, to not constantly feel like, oh, but I could do it better. Or how can I look at this so I can really understand the core wounding of this experience (laughs) and just like have fun and be in play. So how do you navigate that? Yeah. (laughs) I want to, I want to just drop a joke and be like a lot of good drugs, but I want to listeners who are tuning in, please note, I'm very responsible with my substance use. Mm -hmm. However, I will say the intentional use of psychedelics has been one way that I have really had a blank canvas on which to see, like, it's not that serious. And I certainly, I could wake up sober, not on any substances and have the same realization. I have access to that. I I do that. And in very intimate, loving containers with my best friends, I was with three of my best friends last weekend, and we were partaking in a psilocybin journey in our new house. It was our little housewarming party. And I'm like, whoa, everything's here. Like my friends are here. Like if I, if I had 10 million in the bank right now, I would still be doing this same exact thing. 
nothing would be different. I'd still be in this journey with my friends, having a great time, singing my ass off and then dancing and then laying out on the living room floor, crying my eyes out and then dancing again. Like, so having those close knit groups of friends has really kept me grounded and leveled. And I have one friend in particular who he's just like the biggest kid at heart. Like anytime I go off into getting too serious, he'll bring me right back to playfulness. And it's like that remembering has really helped. So the people in my life, my intentional exploration of psychedelics, and then even simple things like standing out in the sun, not working from home one day and going to co-work somewhere and just having other people's energy around me that isn't, you know, that's, that's full of levity and lightness. And sometimes when I'm alone, I, I become very introspective and I can be light too, but it's nice to bring other people's energy in because it, it lightens me up. Mm, that's amazing. I love this conversation. You're so special. You're so special. Girl, I feel the same way about you. I'm like, I told Ani, I'm like, I have a podcast recording with Kelly today. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. I just, I really, I think we've said this before and we say this in private, but I just, like, I really love being in your energy. You just, you're just a good one. You're just someone that I, mm. I just love, really like being around. I like learning from you so much. I love how honest you are and just the way you show up and you just, yeah, you're just fucking rad. So thank you. Thank you for being so honest with everyone. I know you're going to help so many people mm -hmm. and I'm so excited for you guys in your new home and your sex room and all the things. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank you for those words of affirmation. I really, really received that into my heart. And, you know, I know that you recognize that in me because you're that, you're that same kind of woman. You're the one who shows up, who rolls her sleeves up, who gets messy, who then goes back and is like, okay, what happened there? And like, you keep showing up and you're having honest conversations. That's something that really drew me to you. When we first connected, I'm like, oh, this girl's real. And it, it gave me even more permission to be real on a public platform where I was still kind of in the space of like, I should be professional. It's that like corporate mindset. But tuning into your content has been such a permission slip for me to just keep it real as fuck and be honest and share my experiences with a lot of love and hope that they serve people. So thank you. Thank you. I love you, girl. I love you too.